I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Brett Swartz. Uh, Brett is the founder of Capital Gains Tax Solutions. He's a licensed California real estate broker who holds series 22 and 63 licenses. And he's the host of two different podcasts. Um, Brett, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there on the introduction. Thank you for coming on the show, but I'm, I'm really excited to hear, you know, sort of from your mouth what, uh, what it is you do. So, so again, thank you so much for taking the time out. Jason, my pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me on the show. So, you know, most high net worth individuals, they struggle with capital gains tax when they go to exit their highly appreciated assets. And this includes real estate, business, cryptocurrency, primary homes, um, artwork, collectibles, NFTs, you name it. And so we use something called a deferred sales trust to give them capital gains tax deferral, liquidity, diversification, and the ability to have freedom with their capital. And I mean freedom by, I mean, investing into real estate at their own timing, into the stock market, into cryptocurrency. Also, they can create and preserve more wealth. And so we're in the business of, uh, of, of tax, of wealth, of, of um, ways to create freedom, Jason. Cool. Well, tell, let's back up a little bit and just tell me a little bit about your background and how, how did you get into sort of this area? Because, I, you know, it's obviously not very common. So how, how, what got you started to that? Yeah, great question. So I actually started out in my, my life, if you will, from a very young age, working with my mom and dad in the real estate development um, Bay Area of California world where I grew up in rentals, cash flow, being an entrepreneurial, an entrepreneur, like watching my dad be an entrepreneur, wanting to be an entrepreneur. And so that that kind of helped me to fall in love with real estate and business. And but you're in we're in tax California, right? Where I am, but it's yeah. very, you know, heavily taxed. And so we've seen that increase over the years and um went on to not knowing that would be in any this part of the this part of the uh, tax world. But Basically went on to college, studied business, played some hoops in college, and and then took an internship at a place called Marcus and Millichap. And this is where we studied how to help people and practice how to help people sell multifamily investment properties, do 1031 exchanges, uh, cash flow, IRRs, cap rates, all of these type of cool things. Uh, fell in love with that, but it wasn't always easy, Jason, because that was 2006. Things were going really good. And then something happened in 2008. And that was the crash. And that was the crash and where I went from making a little bit to almost nothing overnight. And that uh, that was a real wake up call because I don't know if you've ever been so scared, not sure how you can provide for your family and where the next meal, where, where you're gonna be able to provide for rent. Well, that's where my wife and I found ourselves and with a baby girl on the way. And so I did what every good entrepreneur or real estate wannabe does. You go get a side hustle. Uh, and so my side hustle was a place called Cheesecake Factory. And so nights and weekends, I would work there, serve cheesecake and be a server. And then by day, I'd make cold calls and negotiate with banks on behalf of my clients to try to keep their properties, to try to help them um, figure out a way to increase the rents, decrease expenses, and, and kind of just serve them in that area to hold on to these properties. 
So I was going through my financial struggle and so were they. And this created, I think, kind of like the perfect storm for the deferred sales trust because we look back and say there's got to be a better way. This 1031 exchange does not always work. And in fact, in this scenario, it was our enemy because people had overpaid. They had sold high and bought higher 180 days later with too much debt, not enough liquidity, not enough diversification. And now they were losing or, or trying to hold on to their properties and, and half of their wealth is gone. And so at the time, my manager brought in a gentleman to speak on the deferred sales trust and he became my business partner. And he basically taught us that there's a Netflix way of doing things. Now he didn't use the word Netflix. He just said, there's a tax deferral strategy that doesn't involve a 1031 exchange that could have saved and helped all of your clients. And we thought it was too good to be true. We're like, no, 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 we got this blockbuster thing and it's really cool, it's a 1031, we don't need you. No, 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 you don't understand that. That's the root of the problem if you don't use it properly. And this new version is a better way to do it but it goes back thousands of closes, billions under management over uh, over 26 years now in existence, over a dozen no change IRS audits. And so we said, well, if it is true, it'll change everything. And so that began the journey of rolling it out to my clients, trying it, you know, testing it, speaking with the tax attorneys who created it, building the confidence and the education on what it is and what it's not. Fast forward, I became a trustee because I had all of a sudden a lot of knowledge because at one point I had no knowledge of this. Now I do. And they said, why don't you be a trustee? Why don't you coach and train people how to do this? And so uh, I was able to retire from the Cheesecake Factory. My wife uh, was able to stay home with our five kids. And um, now I, this is all I do. I just train and coach people how to do this and help people exit really, really smart. Okay, cool. So you're uh, maybe let's start by just defining a 1031 exchange because I know, you know we're referring to that as the blockbuster way. I think it's, also probably what's you know front of mind for most people when they're selling and they're trying to decide how to you know sort of defer some of that tax uh, hit that most people think of 1031 exchange as their sort of first option but maybe let's define that for the listener and then you can explain how the deferred sales trust is different and you know kind of and better sure the 1031 exchange is a part of IRC section 1031 and the tax code which allows individual um, property owners that have investment property sell and and move it or exchange it or trade it and buy another property um, and, and maintain tax deferral on all of the gains. So let's say you bought a property for a million dollars, Jason, and it's worth three million. Well, if you were to sell in California, it's about 37 to 40% in tax. You'd pay about $800,000 on that $2 million gain. Well, instead of paying all of that, guess what you can do? you could roll all of the 3 million into another property, okay? As long as it's equal or greater value. So if you sold at 3 million, you gotta buy at 3 million um, or greater and equal or greater debt. And that allows you to take what you would have paid the $800,000 in this scenario and keep it working for you, right? Which is really cool, right? Because you can build more wealth. You can take that 3 million and build it, maybe do another, 3 million over a 10 year period of time or five year period of time. And it's a great way to just compound your earnings and your gain to, to build wealth. Okay. And so, um, again, 1031s are fantastic if you can find a deal that makes sense. And what's that? Well, it's different for different people, but typically it has a good solid cash flow and has a good opportunity to, to raise rents or to add some value, something where you can do some what's called forced appreciation. Um, and that can, can help you build the wealth in that property. 
But what we're seeing right now is this marketplace where things are all-time highs and it's harder and harder to find value-add properties and especially because you have to identify it within 45 days. And this is why we call it like Blockbuster because I don't know if you remember Jason going to Blockbuster on a Friday night. You see that movie behind that cardboard and you're like, oh, that's the movie I want. And you're walking over to get the movie. You're all excited. But somebody's two steps ahead of you. They look at you and they grab the exact same movie and the cardboard goes flat and you're like, oh, I wish movies were just available, right? Why do I have to... Why do I have to um, not have the movie that I want? And even if you got that movie, though, you have to take it home and return it within three days. If you didn't rewind it, you know, before they had DVRs um, um, or DVDs, that you get a you get a fine and a penalty and all this stuff. Well, Netflix came out and said you don't need that. You'll never have to return it. There's no return fees. There's some ongoing fees, right? But then movies are never checked out. You can do it from the privacy of your home. All this cool stuff. Well, that's like the deferred sales trust because the main thing with the deferred sales trust is there's no timing restrictions. So the best deal stories for this is for a gentleman. This is actually why I started the company because in 2006, he was selling a property in Minnesota and this property was for 20 million and this guy loves investment real estate, done 1031 exchanges and built a ton of wealth over a couple hundred million dollars. But for the first time, he's looking around with his 1031 binoculars and it doesn't look good. The storm looks like it's coming and he's like, I'm not going to 1031 and overpay because these prices are too high, but I'm going to try this deferred sales trust thing because I don't want to pay all this tax. And so he put the money into the deferred sales trust and he became the lender, which is, which is this, how we do this. And five years later, the bank calls him up and says, Hey, you know that property you sold? And he goes, yeah, well, we just foreclosed on it. By any chance, would you want to buy it back? And he goes, well, maybe what's the price? And they say, well, it's 60 cents on the dollar. He goes, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Give me a couple days. Well, in the meantime, his funds were sitting tax deferred in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, diversified liquid investment grade securities, hedged and protected, not something that's subject to the huge crash as well. There's ways to do that. Okay. We work with third-party financial advisors to put these things together. Well, he had an LLC, partnered with the trust, and he bought back his property at 60 cents on the dollar. And this is my brain exploded because I'm going, no, everyone told us we have to do it within 45, 180. That doesn't make sense. But I'm like, no, you can. You can sell high and buy low. And so that's really the biggest difference. We can go on to some other ones as well, Jason, but I'm going to take a pause there because I said a whole lot. No, that's, I mean, that's a great explanation. And I think that the, the, the main issue with the 1031 exchange that people run into is exactly what you mentioned, the, the timing. And so you have to make that new deal, you have to identify and then actually close on that new deal in very specific time periods. And the, the, the problem is that if there's not always a good deal available in that time frame, you know, people can go six months, nine months before they come upon a really great deal, especially now in these, you know, inflated prices, compressed cap rates type market. And so the deferred sales trust then, I guess, allows you to avoid all of that. And so logistically what happens? So maybe walk us through a deal like that. If someone is going to use a deferred sales trust, what are they doing? They sell, they sell their property. How does it all work? How do they get, you know, that money back? You know, kind of what happens in the meantime? Absolutely. And before I go there too, I want to remind everyone too, that the 1031 exchange only works for investment property. Whereas the deferred sales trust, can it work for Bitcoin? Yes. Can it work for artwork? Yes. Can it work for investment property? Yes. Can it save a failed 1031 exchange? The answer is yes. Can it, can it, can it work for a primary home? Yes. So it works for everything, right? So that's also why it's like Netflix and that you have all the variety of everything all at once. 
Whereas the 1031 is like blockbuster because you only have that one investment in real estate. So that's really important. We just did a $5 million exit for a Bitcoin a client of ours. She worked for Google and she no longer works for Google because her Bitcoin went from about 50,000 to 50 million. But she had a big challenge. She, she didn't want to exit and pay all the tax. And so instead of paying all the tax, she was able to, to put it into the Deferred Sales Trust to defer the tax and then partner with the trust to start a business venture, which is a really cool thing you can do. Very flexible and earn on the trust and live off the income of the trust and just slowly pay tax. And so how does this all work? Well, step number one, you form a deferred sales trust. Now with our firm and our company, it's no cost, no obligation. We form the trust, we consult, we walk you through the pros and cons of using this versus some other opportunities, opportunity zones or 1031 exchanges. And we just get it in place. We do that for two reasons. One, we wanna make sure that we're early and we haven't, uh, you haven't gone through or the buyer hasn't gone too far in the transaction where you are, you're not gonna be eligible to use the trust anymore. Um, step number two is we simply um, insert the trust into the purchase and sale agreement if it's a property sale, or if you're working with a qualified intermediary, we, we work with them to, to, um, to put the trust in place. Um, step number three would be open up the bank account in the name of the trust. Step number four is you would send the funds, have the funds sent to the trust, and then you get a promissory note. Um, and so those are kind of the, the, the steps there. And then post-close is just all about investments. So you take a risk tolerance questionnaire and then your risk is assessed and then and potential investments are, are presented and then you approve or disapprove of the investments. And uh, we all work together to, to accomplish paying you back your money plus a rate of return. And then you'll just slowly pay tax over time. Does that make sense, Jason? Yeah, it does. So you're, are you able to get any of that cash kind of out of the deferred sales trust? Is there something, you know, if, if you're invested, your money is invested in syndication, there's typically some sort of monthly or quarterly distribution. Is there anything that can come out of this? Because, and correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding is the deferred sales trust can, has an indefinite timetable. So it can kind of just sit there as long as you want. But in the meantime, what can you get any of that money? How does that work? Yeah, how does the deferred sales trust structured and how are the payments made? So the deferred sales trust is typically structured in these 10-year increments. And every 10 years, you can renew for 10 years, renew for 10 years, renew for 10 years, <coughs> you can pass it on to your kids. And they're typically structured with an 8%, sometimes 7, 6, or 5, but typically 8% net of recurring fees pay back to you on a compounding rate of return. Okay, so let's say a million went in, 8% is about $80,000 per year. Okay, and most of our most of our clients are structuring with monthly payments coming out of some amount of that 8%, half of that 8% or maybe a little bit more or maybe greater than 8%. It's your money. So the answer is yes, you can, the money is paid back to you. That's the intent of the trust is to pay you back money slowly over time and you'll slowly pay tax on it. And it's adjustable along the way too. You can, you can adjust it. Now, do we recommend you adjust it all the time? No, but you might adjust it once a year or so. Um, you can take an initial big distribution out up front as well. And then the rest of it can continue to go. And so, that's how you can structure the deferred sales trust. So you just pay tax on whatever you take out of the trust. Is that kind of how that works? Okay. Correct. Exactly right. So you don't pay any tax until you receive payments from the trust. Okay, great. What about when you identify something that you want to buy? Now you said you can kind of put the money from any sort of sale like crypto or NFTs, which probably wouldn't have even been talking about those things 10 years ago, but ultimately, you know, any type, can you also then purchase any asset class from that trust on the other end? 
Yes, you can. So you can exit and the trust, once the funds are in the trust, can put into a, a variety of investments, which is probably its best strength in that you can diversify, right? And you can go into liquid investments. You can go into real estate investments, go into cryptocurrency, and and you can um, you don't have to be in just one single asset class, right? At one particular time, you can dollar cost average, right? In or out of these investments. And that's the idea. Like you hit it big in cryptocurrency at $50 million. I mean, I had another client, he bought Ethereum, he and his wife out of California and Silicon Valley for about a hundred thousand to 13 and a half million over like a six, seven year period. But during that time period, it was highs and crashes, highs and crashes. Right. And so, you know, had you Monday morning quarterback, every time it goes high, you exit out of it. And then you can partner with the trust to buy back in at a low. And then you can exit when that goes high again. And, and then just keep riding that. Like you, you don't have to just ride these crazy waves. Like you have the ability to escape feeling trapped by capital gains tax when you use the deferred sales trust. And that's uh, one of our favorite parts about doing this is that freedom and that flexibility. Because as investors, we know when it's a seller's market, right? Especially for real estate, especially for crypto, right? We know these ups and downs are coming. And um, especially if we can just exit at a good spot. So that's what my client did. He, he basically exited 5 million of Ethereum within one hour um, after about 90 days of due diligence, right? Um, then he exited another $2.5 million about a month and a half after that. So he's exited about $7.5 million of his $13 million, which is pretty sweet. And he put it into a diversified investment-grade securities portfolio that he felt comfortable with. And he never has to work again. He never has to work for the tech company again. He's retired. He doesn't have to ride these big old waves. Like there's a saying out there, Jason, you don't have to be a millionaire once, right? But if you yeah. lose it, you have to start all over again. And he's like, man, I, I, we've got it. We're good. Let's just keep it in the biggest companies in the world, very safe, very protected, diversified. Okay. No, that's great. So why doesn't everyone just do this instead of a 1031 exchange? Because I, you know, as I mentioned, I, I, at least what I hear about most often people talk about a 1031 exchange. Yeah. So I'm a real estate broker still, right? And I still, I have, I'm selling three deals right now and we'll be looking at 1031 exchanges as an option. So the key is if you find the property, right? So the, the, the answer is if you can find that property that makes sense in that time period, then boom, we get a high five. 1031 exchange is super cheap. There's no ongoing fees. There's no third party trustee me, you know, who's, who has to be a part of the deal. Like you just sell and you just own it. Right. And that's like, pretty simple, pretty easy. Everyone, there's 5,000 exchange companies all banging the drum of the 1031, you know, commercial real estate's like a religion and I'm a part of that religion. I love it. Right. And they're all, but they only teach us the 1031 is the only doctrine, right? It's the only thing you do. And you're like, well, actually there's the thing called an installment sale. It's known as a seller carryback. And if you partner with the trust, you get all the flexibilities and none of, none of really the downsides of the old installment sale. And so, um, the answer is, uh, in the asset itself. So, if the asset makes sense, I'll be the first one to say, hey, do that 1031. In fact, we, we cheer you on. We give you a high five. You don't owe us anything if you get it. Now, you want to work with a qualified intermediary. Um, we have a strategic alliance that allows both of them because guess what? Not every qualified intermediary wants you to know about this and they will tell you, oh, it doesn't work or it's not legal or we don't think it's going to work. And guess why they're telling you that? Because they want to keep you in the 1031 business. But this has worked thousands of times, been tested by the IRS, um, billions under management, literally has a perfect track record. And most of the deals are done in California. One of the biggest ones is done in San Diego. 
And so um, that'd be the first thing. And also, I was also a 1031 uh, Marcus and Milchap broker. And I, it's just really funny about the US's question, Jason, is that interesting part is my first manager at the office in 2009 brought in the gentleman and he was like a proponent of looking for creative uh, ideas. Well, he was let go a couple of years later. I mean, the market was tough and they fired him and then a new manager came in and guess what the first thing he told me to do? He calls me in his office one day. It's like a random Friday. He's like, hey, I gotta talk to you. I'm like, oh, what's going on? He's like, we don't want you talking about the deferred sales trust anymore. I'm like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, if you can change someone's life and save their tax, like, isn't it for them to decide? Don't we want to present the options? No, no, no. We're in the 1031 business. We're not in the deferred sales trust business. And part of it was because the equity wasn't necessarily going into another real estate deal where, guess what? They get a commission. So you got to follow the money. So most, most commercial real estate brokers either don't want, don't want to know about this or they don't know about it, right? Because they're in the business of keeping you in the 1031. I know because I was a broker and that was the mentality. That's literally what happened. And that drove a wedge between me and them because I said, I'm going to look out for my client and give them the option. Let them decide. And, and, um, and I'll go somewhere else and help them do this. Right. And so that was what happened. Great. When, when you are selling a, so if you're in a syndication and the syndication is selling, I know that you can have the option to essentially take a group of the passive investors and form an entity and they can 1031 exchange into another syndication. Is that, so is there a way to structure uh, a DST the same way? Is that, can that work similarly? Good question. So first of all, the Deferred Sales Trust is not a Delaware statutory trust. This is often gets very confusing right, right. and this is a good time to bring it up. So a Delaware 1031 or Delaware statutory trust is like Hollywood video. Do you have the Hollywood videos down the street from your old blockbusters, right? It's just a part of the 1031 family. And basically it's like a, it's like a syndication that's super organized and they allow people to take small interest into these properties, either one or two or three typically of our portfolio. And by the way, we still do some Delaware statutory trust. In fact, we just did one last week with the client because they had what's called a mortgage over basis issue, which kind of answers your other part of your question, Jason. And that when would you do a 1031 Delaware? Well, when you have a debt over basis issue that the deferred sales trust cannot solve, and that's when we come in and we do a partial Delaware. Um, in fact, we just did it. Ron Anderson, he's our client. He just closed a $4.2 million multifamily property in Colorado. You can watch his entire episode of We Break This Entire Thing Down. He did a partial Delaware on my YouTube channel. We did a partial Delaware for a part of it. And then the rest of it went to the Deferred Sales Trust. So each tool has its has its pros and its cons, right? And the Deferred Sales Trust um, is used for the majority of our deals, but the Delawares are for a part of them. Um, now to answer your question on the syndication side of things, it all depends, right? We just did a deal for a $20 million client out of Vegas, there are two GPs, multifamily syndication, a bunch of LPs, and they each form their own trust because they're just going to all pay the tax anyways, and they put theirs in, into it. Now, the LPs could have, if their deals were big enough, which are minimum is a million-dollar net proceeds, million-dollar gain, by the way. So it doesn't work for everybody. It's got to be big enough. The pain's got to be big enough to hire us to help to run this thing, right? Now, they sold another $16 million multifamily property in Phoenix. They did it again. They rolled it into the same trust. The other LPs paid their tax. They're doing it again with another property. In fact, they're going to be doing like, I think the total of six properties within the next um, 60 days. They've already done two. They're doing four more. We're closing one on Monday. And so the answer is it all depends, Jason, right? Yeah. Um, but most of the syndicators that we work with, they're not doing 1031 exchanges and they're, and they're not accepting 1031 money unless all of the stars line up and all the investors want to do it. 
right? And that's where we come in because the whole entity doesn't have to move. We can separate the partnership, okay? Whereas 1031 Blockbuster, the whole entity must move. In our scenario, you don't have to do that. Does that answer the question, Jason, or create some more questions? Yeah, no, it, it, it makes sense. I think that, you know, your answer that it depends on the deal, obviously, I think that's that's kind of the key with any of these structures is, is getting with someone who understands these different products and, and using whichever one is, is appropriate for your particular deal and your particular tax situation. Um, no, make, it makes, makes total sense. Um, one of the things you mentioned was that you can save a failed 1031 exchange with the deferred sales trust. So, so maybe explain how that would work. Yeah, can the deferred sales trust save a failed 1031 exchange? The answer is yes. How does this work? The answer is, first of all, you work with Capital Gains Tax Solutions, our company, and a qualified intermediary that will give you both options. And do not ever go with a qualified intermediary that A, hasn't done this, or B, will not give you the option. I literally have had, I think, four calls in the past three weeks with millions of dollars on the line that these accommodators will not accommodate. They just say no. And you ask them why, and they just say no. And you're like, wow, well, we don't think it's legal or whatever. Well, what does it matter? We're the taxpayer. Allow us to, to do these uh, things that have been proven for you know 25 years, right? And it's, it's never failed, not even once, but they say no. So that's number one. Make sure you're working with us and a qualified intermediary that will allow both an option for a 1031 or deferred sales trust. Step number two is we insert language. We form a trust and we set this up and on day 46, or day 181, depending on what you've identified, we can default into the deferred sales trust. It's really that simple. Instead of the funds going to, let's say, Jason or you directly, Jason, if you're the owner of the property that just sold, and receiving constructive receipt, we form the trust and the funds go there and you get a promissory note, right? That's what you become an owner of. You became a lender. This is how this works. So Jason, that's how a deferred sales trust will help a 1031 exchange. So you would actually have to have kind of set that up in advance. Just essentially, if your plan was to 1031 exchange, but you created the deferred sales trust in case that didn't happen, it's not it's not a situation where you could have done a, defer, or done a 1031 exchange and then, oh, that didn't work out. And then they call you up and say, hey, I, now I need a deferred sales trust. You can't step in at that point and, and sort of save that. What is the timing of the deferred sales trust? Uh, the answer is there's two places. Number one, at close of escrow prior to the buyer moving all contingencies, okay? And this applies to basically anything that's not a t an investment real estate property that's eligible for a 1031 exchange. So we've got to set it up for cryptocurrency, for primary homes, for business sales. We've got to set it up during escrow or prior to escrow, but definitely prior to the buyer removing all contingencies. Number two, what's the second window you could do it? Well, if it's an investment real estate property and the funds are at a qualified intermediary, uh, we can work with the qualified intermediary if they're accommodating to set up the deferred sales trust while it's there. Okay. And it could be on day 30, day 47, day 160, day 165. It, as long as the funds are still at the qualified intermediary, we can set up the trust and we can default into the deferred sales trust. So those are the kind of the windows for the timing of the deferred sales trust. Okay. Okay. Great. That's really great. Well, Brett, let's let's switch gears a little bit. I'll go. Uh, we'll move to the part of the show where I sort of ask you the questions that I like to ask, ask each guest. Um, with the first one being related to the name of the show, uh, as know your why. So, Brett, what's your why? What what drives you? What what kind of makes this all so important to you? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of whys. I think the the first one is I believe we've all been created to to uh, to use the gifts we've been given 
to maximize the potential of those gifts and to help as many people as we can with those gifts. And then the bigger purpose that we're, we have a, we have a calling and a mission to do that. And for me, it's, it's, um, uh, I believe that's been given to us by God to do those things. Right. And so I love to use the gifts I've been given. I love to maximize the potential of those gifts, make an impact as many people as I can. And, um, then that equals success and fulfillment in the career and the vocation, if you will. Um, so that's kind of that part of the things. Um, the other one would be, um, the biggest one would be my family and my daughters, my kids, my, I have four daughters and my son and my wife, and we want freedom and we want you know, flexibility and we want, we want to be able to travel. We want to be able to meet new people and we want to have friends in every single part of, part of the, part of the world, especially all of the United States. The cool thing about um, the Deferred Sales Trust is I get to meet people from all different walks of life, you know, cryptocurrency, farmers, dentists, um, multifamily owners, um, you know, marketing, marketing business owners, NFT artists, like all of this really cool amount of diversity that I get to meet and serve these different families, different, different individuals um, is a big part of why I love what I do. And the other one comes from the painful part of, of growing up with two parents that were amazing, but they got divorced when we were young. And I saw a lot of wealth at first and then like no wealth with my mom. And so my dad didn't, let's say my dad spoiled us when we were with him, but didn't pay child support as much or it really much at all to my mom. And so I grew up with this like sense of like, I don't want to have any stress when it comes to finances um, for my family. And I want to be able to have some freedom there. And so that kind of in, internally helped me to drive me to, to be successful and to, um, and to um, earn a lot and to grow a lot because I didn't want that ever to come between like family. So yeah, those are some of the whys, Jason. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, a, <laughs> they're all very powerful, but I think the, the reality of uh, the impact that finances have on, a, on divorce is a, is a big deal. It's something that we see... Uh, read some statistic the other day that's like 60% of divorces or maybe it was greater than that or related to financial trouble or financial misunderstanding even between spouses. So um, totally makes sense. Next question. Uh, what is something about yourself that maybe isn't common knowledge, uh, special skill, a hobby, anything that would let the, let the listeners get to know you a little better? Yeah. So I, I played college basketball and scholarship. And so, um, I was, it's my passion. If I could play every single day, the rest of my life, I would, my knees would hold up. And so I absolutely love like March madness just ended. And I'm just like, say. it's like my favorite time of the year. Yeah. Um, so that would be the, the special skill. At one point I could dunk. I'm a six foot white guy who could dunk, you know, now not in a game, but like I had to be warmed up and like everything going well, but I could dunk. Yeah. And then I blew both ACLs out. And then, um, I got a medical red shirt one year and came back kept the scholarship. And then I knew I was back when I could dunk again. So that was, that was a kind of a cool moment, but that would be the, the kind of the underground thing that people don't really know about. Nice. Where'd you play? So I played at first at Point Loma Nazarene university down in San Diego. It's like, it was an NEI school at the time. I think it's like division two now. Uh, I was a walk on though. So didn't get a lot of playing time. And then I played at Mesa junior college. And then I got a scholarship to a place called William Jessup university up in um, Sacramento area. Awesome. Awesome. Who, who are you? I guess when this comes out, people will be well beyond uh, the championship game, but it, it was last night. Who are you rooting for? Last night, I was actually rooting for Kansas because I'm a big Duke fan and Duke lost to North Carolina. However, yeah. I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan. So part of me 
was like, oh, I, you know, it would be cool for, for Michael's team to win. But yeah, so I was Kansas last night. There you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I, I, like, I like when we get a little tangent on sports. I'm a big sports fan, so uh, very cool. Um, where can people reach you if they want to reach out to, after they hear this and they're interested in uh, Deferred Sales Trust or just, just getting to talk about this stuff with you? Yeah, the best place to find me is to go to YouTube and or my web website um, by searching Capital Gains Tax Solutions. Um, our website is CapitalGainsTaxSolutions.com. Um, we also have our on iTunes, we have the podcast, Capital Gains Tax Solutions. Um, of course, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, all of those pages as well for all the socials. Uh, we are coming out with our book and it's called Building a Tax Deferral Exit Strategy. What's cool about the book, look for that on Amazon. Some really smart people in it, like a guy like Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank will be in the book, which is amazing. Um, and uh, I tell my whole story, and we give you a bunch of strategy on how to grow wealth and how to use uh, uh, tax deferred strategies to do it. Very cool. We'll put all that in the show notes too, so people people have it and they can find you easily. Uh, final question, Brett: What piece of advice would you give to people who are getting started? You know, whether that's in business or real estate and they are you know sort of looking to achieve the level of success that you have what, what would you tell them to inspire them yeah learn to work harder on yourself than you do on your job if you work hard on yourself you'll make a living but if you work harder on yourself you'll make a fortune and the idea is not to make a bunch of money although that's really cool because you can help a lot of people the idea is to become everything you're created to be to maximize and identify those gifts, those strengths, or to maximize the potential of those gifts and strengths and impact as many people as you can and to fulfill the mission you have for your life. And so, uh, you know, whether that means you're in college, whether that means you're in your career, you, whether it means you're even a successful entrepreneur, we got to always go back to the fundamentals of what are the strengths and the gifts I've been given? How do I maximize those, those things? And, and then how do I work harder on myself, my health, my finances, my faith, my fitness, uh, my uh, the financial intelligence, right? All of these things are big. And, and instead, instead of focusing on like the outcome, focus on the internal things and the knowledge that you can grow and fortifying and building your character, then the rest of the stuff takes care of itself. That's what I would say. I love it. I love it. That's a great piece of advice. Thank you so much. I appreciate all that you shared with us. I think this is a really useful strategy for people. And um, if they're interested in, you know, they got a sale coming up, they for sure should should uh, hook up with you and get, get connected on this. Makes a lot of sense. So thank you again for your time. Thanks, Jason. All right. We'll sign off. Have a great day, everyone. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.